welcome everyone to a brand new edition of The Other Side of Midnight. I'm your guest host, Laura London, filling in for Richard C. Hoagland, and tonight we'll be speaking with Charlie Zeiss about the sacred geometry of Russian pyramids, what he refers to as the intersection of physics and spirituality. I'm sorry that you have to hear me tonight instead of Richard. Uh, Richard was fully intending on doing the show this evening, but something came up and he, at the last minute, was unable to do so. So he asked me to step in and uh, guest host for him. And I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sure that all of you um, would rather be hearing Richard. I'm not exactly prepared to do this show tonight. It was all kind of last minute, but the good part about it is that I've actually met our guest, Mr. Charlie Zeese. I met him last summer here in Chicago at the Global Pyramid Conference. It was the second one I attended, and Charlie had a booth set up. It was a very large booth in the exhibitor hall, and it was right there when you walk into the room. Uh, it was the first booth, and I saw these what turned out to be PVC, uh, they looked like these plastic uh, pyramid, just kind of the skeleton um, made out of, out of these PVC tubes. And I thought, okay, I, I'll take a look. And I was looking around and I saw that there was a chair in one of them. And then in another, in a smaller one, there was a meditation cushion. And then there was this gigantic one that you could just stand in and, I was just there to look around and learn, and I was amazed. I was amazed at what I felt inside of his pyramids. So let me introduce Charlie to you. Um, a lot of you, I'm sure, are not familiar with who he is. He's kind of new on the scene, although he did speak at the Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles this past spring. Charlie first got interested in Russian pyramids three years ago, while watching David Wilcox's wisdom teaching series. Amazed at the extensive scientific pyramid research compiled by some of Russia's leading scientists and finding no Russian pyramids available for sale, he set out to make pyramids for his own use and research. After verifying a number of research projects, he could directly undertake and noticing tremendous personal health improvements Russian geometry pyramids became an all-consuming passion. He was drawn to the science and mathematics driving pyramid function and dedicated his efforts both to the study and dissemination of scientific information on pyramids, as well as to designing a practical and reasonably priced Russian geometry pyramid for individual use. Charlie is currently producing a series on his YouTube page entitled The Fundamentals of Pyramid Science, where he brings together the fields of torsion physics, sacred geometry, shape, power, biogeometry, cosmometry, meditation, and spirituality. He recently completed a 20-part video series on the Russian pyramid research, which details the extraordinary results achieved in the areas of health, agriculture, environmental remediation, and materials science. Earlier this year, Charlie developed a totally new theory on the sacred geometry of Russian pyramids, a topic which has been the subject of confusion and misunderstanding in the West. 
based upon his conclusions, the sacred geometry of these pyramids is based upon the phi spiral and the phi scaling angle. This geometry uniquely brings the fourth dimension of space-time into the pyramid's geometry, which he believes is the driving force behind their amazing capabilities. Through his research, he also uncovered fascinating correlations between the Giza and Russian pyramid geometries. An avid meditator, Charlie is also quite interested in the science behind pyramid meditation and believes the effectiveness of Russian pyramids in hastening manifestations, enhancing creativity, remote healing, and interdimensional contact is a direct result of the unique geometry of these pyramids. He will be speaking in August on these topics at the upcoming Cosmic Reset Retreat. And I'm going to mention at the end of the show, listeners uh, can get a $100 off discount on tickets. It is sponsored by the Pyramid Spiritual Societies Movement, a pyramid meditation group based in India that's bringing their teachings to America for the first time. Charlie is part of a team that in the early stages of establishing a nonprofit foundation to study the health, environmental, agricultural, and materials science effects of pyramids. A former Wall Street investment banker, he was one of the primary architects who developed the structure for mortgage-backed securities in the 1970s. The economic devastation brought about by this financial product in 2008, don't we all know it, motivated his career transition to one more beneficial to mankind. Charlie received his BA and MBA degrees from Dartmouth College. Mr. Zeiss, welcome to the other side of midnight. Thank you, Laura. It's great to be here. And thank Hi, you Charlie. for that kind introduction. Well, um, that was a uh, a mouthful. I wanted to read your entire bio because there's so much in it. Um, sorry, I stumbled over a bit of it there. Um, that's why rehearsal is uh, essential, and I didn't do that. So, welcome. Um, as I had mentioned, Charlie, you and I met. That's right, and uh, you know that um, that was an experience for me um, that that uh, conference in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that was really the first time that uh, I had had an opportunity to exhibit my pyramids. Uh, just by way of background, as a segue, I I went into business um, with uh, my website just a little over a year ago, and it was just about a month afterwards that I got a call from uh, from Marta Thomas, who runs the um, the, the conference. So let's, let me, me just jump in it. here. Yeah, sure. I'm sorry. Let me just jump in here and tell people what your website is. Would you tell us how how to get there? Oh, surely. It's uh, onlypvcpyramids.com. And uh, I also have a YouTube page, Only PVC Pyramids. And on those two uh, sites, I uh, have uh, information on not only the research we're going to be discussing this evening, but also uh, uh, information on... Um, uh, some of the experiences and testimonials of uh, individuals who've used the pyramids. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, you were saying, uh, you were talking about the conference, and that was your first conference, the Global Pyramid Conference. I would just like to it say was. that, yeah, so the very first one that they did was in 2016, 
again, here in Chicago, it was huge. And that's where I met Dr. Sam, who has been a guest on this show. He is the founder of the Bosnian Pyramid. And mm-hmm. I also met uh, Dr. Carmen Bolter and Barbara Honiger. Actually, the four of us wound up, um, there, there was a cocktail party at the beginning of the conference. It was held in a different location on 2016. I think the one that uh, you and I were at last year was in Skokie, Illinois. That's correct. That's okay. Correct. Okay. So the what the first one in 2016 was held uh, north of Chicago at the Renaissance Hotel, and so it was a it was a totally different vibe, a different layout, and that's why when I entered that exhibit hall that you were set up in, I was kind of surprised because it was just this dark, gloomy room with a low ceiling and fluorescent lighting. And I thought this isn't, you know, this, this, this room doesn't have very good energy, you know what I mean? For a conference like this. And there was such a stark conference, a contrast to being inside your pyramids versus outside. And I know that I'm jumping ahead here. So why don't we continue with how you wound up at that conference? Well, um, actually, someone saw some of my videos and uh, website, and and kind of, who was a friend of the the, the uh, founder of the conference, Marta Thomas, and Marta Thomas. Uh, got in touch with Marta, and Marta called me, and uh, I wasn't really sure if I was uh, ready at that point to uh, to do what I did, but I went ahead and and uh, attended, and I'm really glad that I did because. Uh, I've learned so much from the other people who were there, the other mm-hmm. speakers, uh, and I had an opportunity to verify uh, for myself through the people who sat under the pyramids, just as you did, right. that there was real energy here and that people were feeling real effects. And, you know, it's one thing to, to talk about uh, science in a theoretical sense, but it's a totally different thing to uh, to have people tell you uh that they can feel the energy and to see the benefits that they are, uh, they're receiving. So mm-hmm. it was really a, 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 a big step forward for me. And after that, uh, you know, it, things have, have kind of progressed one thing to another. I decided uh, because David Wilcock had been the uh, person that got me motivated uh, to explore and, and finally to make these pyramids that I wanted to go out to the Conscious Life Expo, and it was really between the time in September and February that a lot of the information that we're going to be talking about tonight kind of came to me. And I, and I want to talk about that, too, as, as we proceed, that this was not truly perspiration in the uh, sense that uh, if you think of Edison versus Tesla, I, I always think of Edison as more of a perspiration guy and Tesla as the inspiration. This was inspiration and it was coming through the pyramid. So mm-hmm. we'll get into that. But um, um, I, uh, I found that, that that conference was really my uh, springboard. Uh, people uh, got to notice what I was doing. And it was also uh, the opportunity to meet a number of people and, and make contacts at that conference that really got me started. Mm-hmm. Right. But you were doing the pyramids, you were doing the research, you were making the pyramids and selling the yes. pyramids before the conference. And the thing about you is that you're not writing books and you're not all wrapped up in just theorizing about the pyramids. You are actually 
making them and you are doing this for a reason. So what I want to ask you, I'd like to back up and find out how this all came about for you, because as I read in your bio, you were an investment banker on Wall Street and you are, you know, you have an Ivy League education, you have an MBA, and now you're making pyramids out of PVC piping. So how did you make that jump? That's a very interesting in, uh, question. I guess I'll, I'll start back uh, actually in, uh, in my college days. Uh, we're going to be talking about meditation a little bit later, but mm-hmm. I had the good fortune of having as my uh, fraternity brother in college uh, a gentleman named John Hagelin. And for those of you who have seen The Secret and uh, What the Bleep movies from years back, uh, he's one of the quantum physicists that uh, uh, was in those movies. But he's also the uh, founder, uh, or excuse me, is the director of the uh, Maharshi School of Management in Fairfield, Iowa, which I, is I where just, the Transcendental Meditation Program. Yeah, I just want to uh, jump in, and, and, and I just want to jump in and say, and say I actually voted for him for president. He ran for president. I did too. <laughs> this was this in the nineties. I I voted. I think it was ninety six and two thousand. I believe I voted for John. Yeah. I voted for John because uh, I got my uh, TM, my Transcendental Meditation instruction, in nineteen eighty eight, and my instructor David Kidd in Canton, Ohio, he w- went knew or met Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and was all into the original source teachings, and so. I guess I found out about John back then, and then when he ran for president, I was all for it. So you went to school with him. I did. That we I didn't know. Fraternity brothers, and oh, wow. um, uh, he taught me TM. I, I'd like to say that I continued that uh, while I was on Wall Street, but I did mm-hmm. not. But um, mm-hmm. uh, knowing the effectiveness of meditation was one of the things that kind of got me started I guess down this path but yeah uh, while I was still still on Wall Street I started getting involved in uh, uh, I guess a lot of alternative thinking certainly alternative for for me at that time and you know I started reading some metaphysical books I started attending a uh, metaphysical church those days they were called the Church of uh, Religious Science they're now called Centers for Spiritual Living so I got well grounded in the um, uh, concepts of metaphysics. Uh, my significant other now is a um, holistic dentist and a naturopath. And so she has reinforced a lot of the stuff that I began to read. One of the classic books on energy uh, that I read uh, back in the 80s was uh, Vibrational Medicine, Richard Gerber's classic. So. Mm-hmm. It all just sort of started slowly, but mushroomed over time. And as my uh, disenchantment with Wall Street uh, continued over the years, and then you know finally terminated after the 08 uh, uh, crisis, mm-hmm. uh, I had a real crisis of of conscience, and 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 decided that I needed to move in different directions. And so I started getting involved with with other uh, energy related types of uh, health products. I started Mm -hmm. uh, selling Vortex water machines, learned about the Vortex that we'll talk about tonight. Uh, I I got into an ancillary field of uh, making tensor rings. 
I gave that business up recently because I'm just so busy with the uh, pyramid business. What but, are those? Uh, tensor rings? Tensor rings. T-E-N-S-O-R-R-I-N-G. Mm-hmm. They are um, uh, a product that uh, was kind of rediscovered by a gentleman named Slim Sperling 40, 50 years ago. But uh, we digress here. But all of these topics uh, are dealing with the energy fields that um, uh, power the pyramids. So there was a lot of uh, analogous information before I kind of stumbled on this and got on the path. Mm-hmm. So the PVC pyramids, those are not the same shape as what most of us know when we think of a pyramid, the Great Pyramid of Giza. They're shaped differently. They are shaped based on the Russian geometry. That's right. So how did you come to find the Russian geometry? Now, you said David Wilcox research, but, you know, we're going to get into all of this. Basically, the differences between the pyramids in Egypt and the Russian pyramids, and it's kind of a stark contrast. They're not the same. They're not by any, on one level, they're not, but as we get into this tonight, we're going to find that there's some fascinating similarities. Mm-hmm. The, the Giza pyramids are much flatter at, than, the, um, than the Russian pyramids. And, uh, you know, David, in his, David did a 10-piece uh, series on uh, his wisdom teaching show on Gaia TV three years ago, and that's how I got started. But in general, he, he mentions in that series that the research that had been done up until that time indicated that pyramids with uh, steeper angles, such as the mm-hmm. Russian pyramids, seem to create a greater energy field. And so uh, there is a tremendous difference both visually and also in terms of the geometry uh, from a practical standpoint. Uh, this makes a, the geometry of the Russian pyramid makes it perfect for being able to sit inside of, right. uh, which is also much more challenging for a for the Giza pyramid. But the geometries, as we'll see, are actually intimately related. They're they're related, and for those of you who are not familiar with what the Russian pyramid looks like, we have a photo on the website on the show page at theothersideofmidnight.com. So in your browser, type in theothersideofmidnight.com and click on tonight's banner. There is kind of a long title for tonight's show. It is Cracking the Hyperdimensional Code of the Mysterious Russian Pyramids with Charlie Zeese. Once you click on that, it'll take you to tonight's show page. And there you will see all of Charlie's items for tonight. And one of them, uh, if you scroll down, is it's kind of small. Charlie, would you tell us, do you know which photo we used? Would you tell us what that is exactly? Uh, are we talking about photo one here or which one? I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, I need to bring up the page myself. The photo of the Russian pyramid, where is that located? Oh, exactly? oh I'm sorry. The, 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 yes, the cover photo is from a pyramid that was built uh, directly outside of Moscow. And uh, this was a 44-meter pyramid. And unfortunately, that pyramid actually is no longer in existence. There was a freak storm that knocked it down. But 
on the website, uh, pyramids.ru, uh, which is the uh, Dr. Golod, uh, the director's uh, website for these pyramids, there is a 100-meter pyramid that apparently is under construction now to replace it. So even a more powerful and, and larger pyramid is underway. So when we say the Russian pyramid, it isn't we're not referring to one specific pyramid in Russia. No, this is a specific geometry that was developed uh, mm-hmm. by the by the Russians. They built uh, 25 to 30 of these pyramids throughout uh, Russia, the Ukraine, and later in other uh, parts of Europe. Uh, so these pyramids have been around since 1990. Uh, they started building them. Dr. Alexander Golod, who was the, or is still uh, the director of of this program and the research that's been done by the Russian government, uh, initially funded a lot of these pyramids uh, out of his own pocket, but uh, subsequently was able to achieve funding uh, in part from the Russian government. And I think it's, it's interesting to note that the Russian government has been funding research uh, into pyramids for public health uh, purposes and, and other purposes for the last 20 to 25 years. So, so, so in contrast to what we find in the United States. Right. So would you say, though, that these are the first of their kind? I mean, they this is a new construction. This, these had never been built specifically like this before? It's a very good question, and it's, it's getting us kind of into what we were going to talk about later, but this is a perfect time to bring it up. All right. Uh, Just two weeks ago, I found, or excuse me, I did not find, but a young man from Australia sent me a hieroglyph that actually comes from the temple of, um, temples of Karnak in Egypt. And he was motivated to uh, use this to try to make uh, monoatomic gold, and uh, for those of you who are familiar with that, uh, it's supposed to have very special properties. Well, he fa- he based his geometry first on this uh, hieroglyph, and uh, he sent it to me. I've checked it as best I can, and it seems to match perfectly the geometry of the Russian pyramid. So. To say that this is brand new gets into some of the, the 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 more speculative nature, but it looks as though this pyramid geometry was actually known in Egypt uh, quite some time ago. So and we have a photo. We have a photo of that hieroglyph on Charlie's show page. It is number eight. It is the hieroglyph from the Temple of Karma, Karnak. Excuse me, and I think. <clears throat> Did we misspell that? It is K-A-R-N-A-K. That is correct. I misspelled it when I sent it to you. My apologies. So, uh, yeah, that uh, is going to I'm going to need to do a lot more research on that. But uh, it looks as though this geometry uh, may have been known and well known uh, by uh, the Egyptians and the reason for using the geometry that they did at Giza is, is certainly not known to me, mm-hmm. but we're going to find out later that some of the specific geometries involved 
and the Giza pyramid perfectly match up with those of the Russian pyramids. So, okay, now I'm not sure if the photos that we have on the website are in order or out of order, but number two, item number two, is a summary of pyramid geometries. And there, now these are slides from your presentation. And right. in number two, you compare the dimensions of the Giza pyramid, the Golden Pyramid, the Nubian, and the Russian. Right. So would now be a good time for you to explain the differences? It would be. Um, this is um, this is a big part of the presentation, and and the and the problem that I encountered when I decided to start to to make these uh, these pyramids. The first question you have to ask yourself is, what's the right geometry? And one of the things that I found early on, digging through the research was that a lot all of the other researchers that had looked at this and that at least the four that I found early on mm-hmm. were Patrick Flanagan uh, of course who wrote Pyramid Power uh, Nick Edwards the uh, the pyramid man David Wilcock and and John DeSalvo they all thought that the geometry of these pyramids was either uh, a golden uh, angle or a Nubian, and that's the per. So, with that as background, uh, I w- I put this page together to help people to see some of the uh, uh, the visual differences and the angles involved in uh, in the various pyramid geometries. If we go to the top of the page, uh, we'll see the Giza pyramid at the top center, and we're going to introduce here, uh, we might as well get into this now, the concept, uh, and this is the key concept in, in mathematical and scaling terms, uh, of a, a concept called phi, or the golden section, or the golden ratio. And phi, as we'll talk about a little later, can be a number, it can be a ratio, and it can be an angle, but for this purpose in two dimensions, we're going to be talking about it as uh, as a ratio, and that ratio uh, as a number uh, is 1.618, and it extends on ad infinitum. Uh, but this is uh, a key. This is the key number and ratio in what's called sacred geometry. So, with that as background, if we go to the Giza pyramid uh, and we look at the uh, base uh, for a base length, if you'll look at the DA equals one, uh, you'll see that for, for uh, a pyramid with, with that dimension for that half of the base, the height of the pyramid, CD, is equal to 1.272, which is the square root of phi. And how do you get that? Uh, you uh, divide 1.618 by itself, and you get uh, you get that number. Uh, the uh, CA, which is called the uh, the uh, edge length, is 1.618, which is phi. So in both of those cases, we can see that phi uh, has a major role to play in the geometry of the of the uh, Giza pyramids. Now, if we move down to the Golden and Nubian, we'll, we're going to see visually that those are much steeper angles than uh, uh, the Giza Pyramid was. 
And we'll see also that uh, in the case of the golden pyramid, if we look at the, uh, the edge length, which goes from point C at the top down to A, that its length is 3.236. Now, if we divide that by the base length, in this case of 2, we once again come up with 1.618, uh, which is phi. So we see a phi relationship in the golden uh, geometry pyramid. And further in the Nubian pyramid, we see that same relationship, 3.236, uh, which is the height of that pyramid, divided by its base length, gives us a ratio of 1.618. Now, I hope I'm oh. not losing everyone with all of these numbers. But not at all, not at all, but we're going to need to hold on um, okay. because we're going to need to take a quick break. I'm your guest host, Laura London, and tonight we are cracking the hyperdimensional code of the mysterious Russian pyramids with our guest, Charlie Zeese. You're on the other side of midnight, and we shall return. to listen to Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month. 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. Talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. The other side of midnight.com. Welcome back. I'm your guest host, Laura London, and tonight we are with Charlie Zeese, cracking the hyperdimensional code of the mysterious Russian pyramids. And where we left off, Charlie was 
describing the differences between the Giza pyramid, the golden pyramid, the Nubian and the Russian pyramids. And he was getting into a lot of numbers and ratios. <laughs> if you would visit the other side of midnight.com, click on tonight's banner with a beautiful photo of a Russian pyramid that will take you to tonight's show page. And if you scroll down to number two, you will see a slide from Charlie's presentation that depicts all four of those pyramids with all of the numbers that Charlie is explaining to us. So I believe we left off with the Nubian pyramid. And I just wanted to clarify with you, Charlie, when you say phi, you mean the golden ratio, right? That's right. It's known okay. as the phi, the golden ratio, the golden section. Uh, and uh, it is a universal scaling uh, component. It can be an angle. It can be a number. It can be a ratio. And we'll be talking a little bit more about that a little bit later in the program. Okay. But to continue on, you know, um, as you can see, uh, to get back, you know, we've, we've now seen that the Giza, the Golden, and the Nubian all have what I call a three-dimensional uh, phi relationship because this number phi, 1.618, shows up in all of the geometries. Now, the, what I have down in the bottom right is the crude exterior dimensions that I originally used. And Laura, this is the geometry that I knew of mm -hmm. last summer for my pyramids when you saw them in Chicago, because mm -hmm. I didn't know the exact uh, geometry, internal geometry of these pyramids at that time. But what I did have to go on was only one article that was available. David Wilcock had mentioned this article uh, in his wisdom teaching series, and it was published on a website called GizaPyramids.com or GizaPyramid.com. Uh, John DeSalvo maintains that website. But it was an article by one of the researchers in Dr. Golod's team uh, named Volodymyr Krasnoholovitz, and that's a mouthful, but he, uh, this was the only article that had any uh, information on the uh, geometry of these pyramids, and that's where we come up with the height-to-base length ratio of 2.02, .02. and you'll see that in the bottom right-hand corner where it says CD equals 2.02. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're not going to go into how you derive the slant angles and so forth. That's a way too much geek speak, I think, for tonight. But uh, suffice it to say that with that height to base length ratio, you come up with an exterior slant angle of 76.1 degrees. And that's in comparison to the 72.828 in the Nubian and the 72 degrees in the golden. And I, because I think, I think one of the reasons why the other researchers were having difficulties figuring out ultimately the uh, sacred geometry of these pyramids and figured that it was either golden or Nubian was because they're visually pretty similar, but you can mm -hmm. see that there's still a, a, you could, a, a visually discernible uh, steeper slope in the right. Russian pyramid, right. but no one had 
put, I guess, the pieces together to determine what the sacred geometry of these pyramids actually was. I, I need and to. That, I, need, I think. Yeah. Yes, go ahead. Charlie. I need. I need to jump in here because what I'm not understanding is that these pyramids were being built in Russia, right? You said since what, 1996? 1990. Okay, so were they not these builders? Were they not publishing? Uh, why was it so difficult to get information on the ratios? Excellent question. Excellent question. The scientists, with, with the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, David uh, describes this in great detail in his series. There was an attempt to to publish this information in Western academic journals, and it was completely suppressed. There was oh. they they tried to do this, and the information was not uh, could not find a home. The only person who apparently was willing to publish any of this data was John DeSalvo's uh, article uh, that he received from Krasnoholovitz, and that was published on uh, GizaPyramid.com. So this, uh, and, and we'll get into how I found this and some of the other curious uh, events that occurred as well here in a few minutes, but there has, this information tor uh, and torsion physics in general has been information that's been suppressed uh, in the West. Uh, the Russians are uh, the world leaders in this technology, and the information and the research that got me to uh, what I believe is the correct understanding of these pyramids is all coming from Russia and coming from Russian torsion field research. Mm -hmm. Okay. So would you like to move on to another slide? Where did you want to go from there? Well, I think I think what I you know what I can do is to at least talk about the next step in the process. Mm -hmm. um, last fall, after the conference, uh, again, and uh, here's another example of the difficulty in getting this information. I had never found a the website that Dr. Golod maintains on these pyramids because you can't find it in a Google or Bing search uh, mm -hmm. very easily. But I came across the uh, website for these pyramids, which is pyramids.ru. And since I only had the, the information from the Crash and the Whole of its article, uh, I, I really wasn't sure if that was indeed the right angles that I ha had used when I you know, was at the conference in Chicago last summer. But once I saw that 2.02 to 1 uh, ratio verified on the pyramids.ru website, I figured it was time to, uh, to get into greater detail in, in my search for the for the sacred geometry. So but at this point you were already building these pyramids and selling them. Yes, I right? was. Right. And so there was no did... one else in the world to uh to, to help me out and uh, there was no one else doing it. So what I had to do because was, uh, the recent the other researchers had said that it was seventy two to seventy two point eight degrees golden or Nubian and yet the research said 76.1. What I ended up doing was going to a CAD designer who designed uh, connectors for me uh, 
on all three of those geometries. So I spent a lot of money initially trying to figure out which ones of these would actually work. And when I built them, uh, first of all, I felt most comfortable with the research data that I had from Krasnoholovitz. Mm -hmm. But when I visually put the uh, pyramids together, uh, not only did they not seem visually uh, appropriate, uh, the Krasnoholovitz seemed just visually to be spot on with the um, uh, pictures of the pyramids in Russia. Okay. And in fact, in the uh, slide presentation, unfortunately, that slide I don't think was put up tonight. There's a picture of one of our pyramids, you know, next to uh, the pyramid um, photo that you have on for tonight's show. And the, the, uh, the geometry visually is spot on. The other thing that we did, uh, we'll uh, maybe get into this as well, or we can get into it now. We tested um, the energy of these by both sitting in them, but my significant other is, uh, uses a device in her practice called a Lecker antenna, mm -hmm. which is used in a number of our videos. Don't want to get off on this too much, but it's essentially a device that was invented by an Austrian physicist about 100 years ago, and that uh, device it will use uh, or can be used to detect subtle energy fields of specific frequencies. So we were able to test for uh, various types of earth and cosmic energy with uh, that device. And in addition to what we felt, uh, we were also able to determine that uh, through the use of a Lecker antenna, that that geometry had the greatest uh, energy, energy field of the three. So that's how I initially started uh, making uh, the pyramids was purely based upon one article and um, didn't really even have source information. So, and, and you were doing this for your own, as, as a hobby for your, because of your own interest for, for just yourself, you wanted to create. Initial, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Initially I did. I had no intention of trying to get into business doing this, but once I uh, started making them, uh, some people, I, I put up a few videos, people started asking me, you know, if they could buy them. And so I decided to start to manufacture them. And initially this was a very labor intensive process, but, yeah. uh, uh, well, you know, I'm, I've, I've figured out ways to make this much more streamlined that we'll talk about later. But, uh, yeah, I started out purely as a hobby because, I was a biology major in college, and so, you know, I was intrigued by the science, and having worked with other energy field products, I knew that uh, the, these amazing results that, that the Russians achieved, uh, if, they could, if I could verify some of them myself, I would feel a lot more interested in trying to commit some, some additional time and energy, and of course, I've done that, and... Um, that's what's propelled me to, to continue on and to make this really into a, a passion, a, a, a business, and uh, uh, try to get this information out to the world. And I would also like to note that uh, you had mentioned we don't have all of your slides. Obviously, uh, you, I think there are like 60 slides in that presentation. We couldn't yeah. put them all on the website, but 
The great part is that on your YouTube channel, which is only PVC Pyramids, there is a video, and you're going to have to tell us the name of it, that is this presentation, right? That's Um, right. That people can go to YouTube, watch this video, and you will see all of Charlie's slides that we're going to be talking about tonight. Right. If you go to my uh, YouTube page, there'll be a section on sacred geometry, and it's the very first video called The Sacred Geometry of Russian Pyramids. It runs about an hour, but uh, the information that we're presenting tonight is done with all of the slides um, at that location. So that would be a great place for you to go to get additional information about this uh, presentation. So you were going on the research of Krasnoholovets, which was the 76.1. Right. And that's what you had fashioned your, what was your first pyramid that you built for yourself? Well, I I built one that was about six feet tall. Mm -hmm. uh, And I did that after uh, perfecting and having a, a mold maker make uh, what are called pore molds for uh, for the connectors. I, there are four base connectors and one top connector that went into these early uh, pyramids. And um, I knew that uh, the mathematics was such that I could make it any size, but I made one that was about six feet tall and put it in my bedroom about um, two years ago. And you, you and put it, what, next to your bed, over your bed? I put it next to my bed. A lot mm-hmm. of people who use uh, Giza pyramids put them over their bed and ask me that question, should I put the Russian pyramid over my bed? It doesn't work logistically unless you have a really tall ceiling. Right. So from a practical standpoint, that doesn't make sense. But the, the, the real energy of this pyramid can be felt by sitting inside of it. Mm-hmm. And it also creates an energy field uh, throughout uh, the room and for those that are more energy sensitive throughout pretty much an entire home. So, so that was that was the first one you made. You put that next to your, you, know, you put that in your bedroom. Right. And so the energy from it affects you while you were sleeping. And there's also a photo on the other side of midnight.com on Charlie's show page. It's number 10. It is a photo of a pyramid over your office chair. So your desk chair, uh, Mm -hmm. an armchair on wheels, sits is situated basically inside this pyramid. And that looks like one of the pyramids that I saw at the conference that uh, I think I just stood. What was the largest one you had there? I just stood inside of it. And I, I was so... I just couldn't believe what I was feeling. And I remember stepping out and then stepping in and stepping out and stepping in and thinking, I cannot believe the difference in how I feel Mm -hmm. inside Mm -hmm. and outside of the pyramid. So that's, that's the one that I was in, right? That's well, it's, it's uh, that that geometry and that picture has been modified slightly. Uh, based upon what we're going to talk about. But yes, essentially that was it. Uh, The one you were standing in was a 10-foot version that I had on display. That is uh, the one that's over my office chair is actually a a 7.5-foot version. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you is how tall is that in the photo? That one's 7.5 feet tall. 
and it's just the right size uh, so that uh, for those of you who work uh, at home uh, and, and are on the computer quite a bit, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's a great way to not only uh, uh, remediate or, or transmute EMFs, but uh, uh, the creativity enhancements of working inside this pyramid are phenomenal. But you're going to feel the energy uh, the moment you you step in, sit in it, or uh, uh, meditate in it. So. And another thing that struck me when I saw your pyramids, uh, I have to say that I I know the people at I believe it's called I Pyramids. They right. are very fancy. They embed magnets and crystals, and they use copper. And they were situated at the far side of that room. Mm-hmm. And yours, in contrast, yours are made out of white PVC piping. So mm-hmm. big difference between fancy crystals and beautiful magnets and all these different colors and sparkly things. I mean, it's it's almost gaudy, their pyramids. Um, so what is the difference between having... All of that fancy stuff, crystals and magnets and copper, and I don't even know what else. And your simple white, I mean, (laughs) PVC, right? It's a form of plastic. That's right. Piping. And it's all in the connectors because these are, what what is the uh, diameter of these PVC pipes? The ones I'm using right now are three quarters of an inch. Three quarters of an inch. So they're they're not very big. So it's all in those connectors, right? That's right. So to answer your question, there, there are, I think, eight or nine things that uh, uh, affect the, uh, the energy fields of a pyramid. But the two most important are uh, the geometry of the pyramid and also the building materials. Now, the Russian research indicates that uh, pyramids should never be built from base metals. There should be no metal whatsoever inside the pyramid. So one of the questions, and I get it all the time, is how come you make yours out of PVC pipe? Right. You can make it out of any non-conductive material or uh, out of uh, uh, metals that are um, not really based, like copper or, or, or uh, uh, that uh, base metal. So. If you were to use uh, gold, silver, platinum, uh, those would be fine, but that's a very, very expensive pyramid to make. And really, uh, even in that case, according to the Russian research, you shouldn't be plating uh, something that's that's made of a base metal uh, with that gold because the uh, those base metals are going to interfere. So, Mm -hmm. uh, building materials are important. You could use wood. And a lot of people uh, build these pyramids out of wood as well. So uh, it's just that PVC is uh, light uh, and uh, is, is, is quite durable. So the Russians actually built all of their pyramids based uh, or made, made them out of PVC pipe. So I'm just following what they did in the construction of their pyramids. Now, with respect to crystals and other enhancements, I was not doing any of that. When uh, uh, I was out there last year, we've made a world of, of advancement in that area. Once I got the geometry right, uh, I knew that I was not an expert in these fields, but I have uh, uh, begun to 
place uh, two two energy enhancements okay. into the pyramids. One is the uh, placement of uh, quartz sand, uh, high crystalline sand into the base pipes of the pyramid. And we just started doing that a couple of months ago. Um, once we got the geometry down properly. Uh, you mean properly. All, throughout, all throughout the base pipes, the base pipes. filling them with sand? It's an option for people okay. to, to put them in, and there's a noticeable difference. Uh, I'm starting to experiment with shungite balls uh, and other devices to place uh, under a chair, for example, if you're sitting uh, in the pyramid, and that mm -hmm. has a dramatic uh, increase in the uh, energy field as well. So what do you now mean the, under the chair? If you, uh, A lot of people that use these pyramids, the one that you saw out in Chicago, uh, the smaller one, people really, uh, for some reason, have not uh, taken to that one as much as the larger pyramids that I'm now making where you can actually sit inside a very comfortable chair to meditate or to work, just as you saw in the office. So what I'd be talking about, if you look at the picture of the pyramid uh, inside or with the office chair inside, mm -hmm. I might put the Shungite ball uh, underneath my office chair, for example. Uh, to just, just, the you mean just on the floor? Just on the floor, yeah. Now, yeah. let me ask you this. The chair, mm -hmm. does it matter that the chair is made out of metal? It is, and we are working on that, too. I, I actually, that is an example of a chair that a lot of people are going to be familiar with. I use in my Is, is that the Herman Miller? Uh, is that what you mean? Well, it's, I, it's not a Herman Miller chair, oh, okay. I don't believe, but it's just a, it's a chair. I think we got it at Office Depot, to be honest. Oh, okay. But, but it's got metal in it. But yeah. I, I have done videos uh, for meditation purposes. I use mm -hmm. a chair from Ikea, actually, called a Poang chair. Now, it has a few metal screws in it, but it's essentially made out of wood or other composite materials. And so it doesn't seem to have much of an impact on the energy fields. We're even looking at trying to make a, develop chairs from PVC pipe uh, that totally right. eliminate uh, metals. We just haven't gotten that far yet. But So you're saying, I just want to clarify, so you're saying that the pyramid should not be made out of any base metals, but it's okay yeah, to right. put something that is made out of base metals inside the pyramid to sit I'm on. I'm going to say that it's it's not the perfect solution, but, uh, you know, if, if I, it's still going to be better than... Okay. Uh, uh, then you know we're, we're we're trying to we're trying to get all of the metal removed from it. That's why the Poang chair I think is a great option because there are about six metal screws in it, but uh, it doesn't seem to have any negative impacts on the um, performance. On the performance, and and when you mentioned that people were not taking to the smaller pyramids, are you referring right. to? I believe I saw one where you had a meditation cushion. Right. Right. On the on the floor inside the pyramid, and it was short, like maybe I yeah. don't know what three or four feet high. It was uh, it was actually uh, uh, six feet high, five the, feet the, high. I'm sorry, the smallest sorry. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, six feet high. Yeah. So the, so, the smallest one you've made is is six is feet six high. Feet. Right, I could have right. sworn there was a, a a, t a tinier one, but you know what? They come to such a steep point that yeah. it probably 
was you taller stand, than you couldn't stand underneath that pyramid. Right. Yeah, so it, it probably per, perception-wise uh, felt much smaller. But and, and you're not I, doing those anymore. Uh, I I still make this uh, this six foot. It's mm-hmm. ju- I'm just saying that most people uh, that that seem to be interested in this really like the idea of being able to sit in a chair. Now I'm. You know, I'm part of the Medicare crowd, and I can still sit down yoga style on the floor, uh, and I enjoy doing that. Right. But uh, most people seem to prefer the ability to sit in a chair while they uh, meditate. And uh, so those larger sizes seem to be the ones that, that people are most interested in. Mm-hmm. And there are also plastic chairs. Uh, right. I don't With the arms, like the white plastic chairs with the arms that stack. That yes. I think might be a good option for a seated meditation, or or even as an office chair. Well, that's right, that's and right. it would match. So, so. so that's a good idea. But the other enhancement to get back mm-hmm. to enhancements that yeah. we're um, we're working on now, and these are as important, if not more so, than the sand in the uh, base uh, pipes of the pyramid, are some custom capstones. When I started making these pyramids. Uh, I was making uh, making the capstones uh, from a resin that I got from a, a, a company that provided uh, molding materials, and uh, not having developed a way to, to, to fasten the top together, uh, that was really the only way I had to do it. But I felt really fortunate. I one of the people I met at the pyramid conference last fall actually lives near me uh, in Pennsylvania, and her name is Lisa Richards, and she um, has now begun making custom capstones that fit perfectly into my pyramid. She's actually oh. using she's using the molds that I uh, had originally uh, designed uh, for, for my original capstones, but she is an intuitive. She knows a lot about um, uh, these stones she had been making uh, other desktop uh, organite type pyramids uh, before we met, and she's now developing a full line of custom capstones for the pyramids. And we've taken these custom capstones now to uh, three expos, I think, over the last two months. And uh, universally, people are just, uh, you know, amazed at the improved energy field really? that they feel. Yeah. Would she you will, describe yeah, would you describe what they look like? Well, they can have crystals in them. Uh they can have various types of stones that people may be interested in. Lisa is developing, for example, a, a, an entire line uh based upon the individual chakras. She will uh do consultations uh with people to uh, where she'll get a, a copy of your photograph and uh, she'll uh, develop a, a something in consultation with you, but based upon, you know, her, her abilities as an intuitive to determine the types of um, energy that may be beneficial to, uh, to an individual. I've got some, some uh, uh, physicians that are, you know, interested in this, one in Michigan in particular. Okay, uh, hold, hold, hold it right okay. there, Charlie. Hold it right there. We're going to have to take a break. I'm your guest host, Laura London, filling in for Richard C. Hoagland. And tonight we're cracking the hyperdimensional code of the mysterious Russian pyramids with Charlie Zeese. You're on the other side of midnight, and we will be right back. 
anybody in the alternative field, you can hear this all the time. You can see it in um, communications all the time with, with the researchers. That it's really tough to keep going, keep this stuff afloat. It's not mainstream yet, although it's getting there. And we'll talk about some of that tonight. But it is tough. And I want you guys out there, those new listeners that are coming in, those that are going to come throughout the night, which I will mention, is, is to think about very much joining Club 19.5. Now, what it gives you access to is all of the broadcasts that Richard has done since, I believe, 2015 um, up until now. And there's been a few of us guest hosts that have come in and helped out when, when, we, you know, when he's needed us, you know, et cetera. And that's not only that, but you get perks that, we'll, that we've started and we're going to do more just to keep it on the air. In Richard's case, he's a researcher and he comes in twice a week working on this show and right now he needs a bit of time for himself. So that's one thing I want you to think about. Another one is the donate button. It's on the homepage, um, the other side of minute.com. It's on the homepage. You can find it there. Please, in your hearts, think about a contribution. Whatever you can manage would be so helpful. You can find the button also on each page on the left-hand column. Um, it, it's at the top. And if you're using your phone, you should be able to find that on your navigation. 